Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Episode five. Yeah. And we're live. I'm glad uh, to be on. Yeah, glad to glad to have you here. Heck yeah. Uh so welcome to Asking Why Podcast. Um, Greg Walker and Clint Davis. Last week we had um a couple of my therapists on and we talked about Black Lives Matter right. and systemic racism and it went really well and it's been pretty well received. Um and so I thought, man, it'd be great to have a police officer in, right. kind of get their perspective and right. try to find the middle ground. So I do want to give a little disclaimer for people listening that, you know, these conversations, it can be very triggering, um, sure. that me and you are going to talk about, uh, the facts as we know them. And then our experiences and your experience, my experience military wise, but also your experience with policing and, right. um, and that this, you know, you don't speak for all cops and I don't speak for all people. And, That's right. You know, but we're going to just, Hey, this is what, this is what we see and, and try to find the, um, the underlying issues. So, and the other deal is too, so I can say, sure. is that I don't, uh, I'm not speaking for who I work for either. Yeah. I'm not, this is me talking to you yep. and my experience. Okay. Awesome. Well, tell us about you and kind of, uh, what you do and how long you've been doing it. Uh, of course, Greg Walker, uh, I'm a police officer. I've been doing it for 17 years now. And, uh, right now, uh, I'm assigned to a certain division that has to do with training. Uh, I have been, uh, in multiple units. Uh, I've worked narcotics. I've worked, uh, uh, I'm still currently uh, on an assigned SWAT team and a team leader and the SWAT team trainer, along with a uh, training aid department in itself. And uh, that's basically in a nutshell what I've done. Of course, I started on patrol. Everyone has to start that way, and then you you move on as such. And uh, so that's when you, why when I'm you say patrol, present. what's that? So uh, a patrol aspect is when is what most people see. You know. Uh, a mark unit that says police and then uh, they have lights on the top of the car and they answer calls with that's what we call calls which come from a dispatch that says hey uh, armed robbery in progress or hey a domestic possible domestic situation so you're actually dealing with people 24 hours if that makes any sense so that's what patrol is okay or anything to do with patrol also handles anything to do with like we just had a hurricane anything that's any kind of big massive event especially when we're talking about major damage or, you know, traffic control and things like that. That's patrol. So uh, with patrol, how many people were in the car? Uh, just me. Okay. Yeah, that's it. We don't really ride, uh, like, uh, like big cities do that. We don't, we're not, we don't have the manpower to do that or the, uh, uh, or the assets or equipment to do that. They do them on special occasions, but it's usually one person. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Part of, you know, well, I want you to kind of take the time to go into detail about this because sure. I think, you know, most people, if they don't know a police officer or, you know, haven't been a police officer themselves, they, sure. they have assumptions about from movies and from, sure. you know, every movie. Well, everyone thinks you write tickets all the time right. and you really don't. Right. 
most, I would say, and this has nothing to do with the podcast, but just to understand for civilians. No, it does have. Yeah, yeah. Well, most police officers don't write tickets. So that's the that's the funny part because when someone finds out your police officer, they're like, "Well, don't write me a ticket." Well, don't worry, I don't. We don't write tickets. <laughs> you much. don't have a ticket book in your car. <laughs> uh, that's. I mean, they we have people that do all that, but yeah. you know, when you have to do it when you train. But so when you start as a police officer, depending on uh, you know, like for instance, I'll use the state for example. They're a twenty-two week academy, and then they have a cycle in which they go through and they. Uh, have field training officers that train them on the street and then they have a probationary period where they do their own and then they're certified and it's no different for us our academy or the academy i was a part of is uh 18 weeks and then from then uh you go to your field training uh, tasks and then that's three to four months then when you're done with that that's almost a year so then you have a couple months where you're on your own then you're reevaluated you know, psychologically, and then also you're reevaluated, you know, how you did, and then you're what they call cut loose or certified. Okay. To be a police officer. To be a police officer. So it takes about a year to be certified to actually be a police officer, at least here. You know, that's different uh, as far as not academy-wise, but as, you know, if you look at something like Sabine Parish or something like that where it's real rural, and mm-hmm. it's more of a sheriff's office deal. They may be a little bit different, but the state requires that you have so many weeks of the academy, if that makes any sense. Yeah, You're absolutely. gonna have to have at least eight, okay. so, you know. So what What did you, why did you join the police force or what kind of got you into it? Um, I'm gonna, there's two reasons. Uh, number one, when uh, at the time that I got out of uh, the career I was in before, I wanted to serve my country, because not long after that was 9-11. And uh, we were going to, we were actually going to Iraq, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually tried to join the military, but I couldn't because I had asthma. I actually made it almost to the square end part, but they came back and said, look, we were digging in your medical. And they just kind of gave me a choice. They're like, look, you could probably go, but if you go and don't get through boot camp because of, or basic training because you have asthma, they'll probably dishonorably, I mean, they'll discharge you yeah discharge you yeah and i don't think you want that but if you make it through you're good and i just didn't want to risk that i was just mm-hmm. like well i do want to serve so uh there were uh there have been people in my family that were my i grew up mil- somewhat military my dad wasn't the military but almost everybody else in my family you know my uncle my grandfather my aunt all those they're, they're just all in the military and or police so i was just uh hey i'll you know i can do that so the idea of service in your family system. And yeah, that. Who, yeah. But the other deal is, too, and being honest, because you're not going to hear anybody say it, but I'm going to be honest with you straight out. I also wanted to get into car chases and chase, you know, chase people and, you know, search buildings and stuff. I yeah, mean, get the bad it was, guys. It's a guy thing. I mean, at least a guy thing to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate that honesty because I think, you know, on both sides in the media, you kind of try the people try to manipulate the facts. Well, you hear people say this, and I don't mean this the wrong way, because I think people go in it with an intention to. They say, well, I just want to help people. And so it, that's a weird thing. I mean, it really is. I mean, when you're talking about, well, I'm going to go out and help people. Well, the truth is, man, if you're really getting out, you are helping people. But it's more in a grand sense of helping this society to somewhat function than it is as if I'm a social worker, social worker or <laughs> I go out or I'm a pastor i actually spend my time with people and meeting needs it just isn't like that and i think that's one thing that the population doesn't understand that it yes we are helping and we are serving 
but everybody's idea of what service and it's just so different and it's just not that way and a lot of people are disappointed when they get in because it's not it's not that way Mm -hmm. i don't know how to explain that it's just not the same thing as being a pastor because i've been there and it's not the same thing as being a social worker right so when it's protect and serve right is the motto that's correct it's a lot more protect that's correct well and the other deal is too is that what most people the majority of people which they wouldn't and and they shouldn't have to but they don't understand law and not that every police officer does any either but the truth is the law doesn't necessarily allow you to help people if that makes any sense in other words for instance let's just say that uh there is a child who's been battered or been whatever. I can't just walk into a house and take them out of that. Does that make sense? I can't just help. I can help by writing a report, and I can help by writing and sending that up and saying, hey, we know we have this problem. I may even reach out personally to my church or something and say, hey, man, I think this is what's going on. But technically, because you have amendment rights based on the Constitution, I can't just go and do that. Right. But I'm helping in a sense by trying to get this paperwork to go. However, a lot of times it just doesn't work out. So people are disappointed in that process because not everybody, but and that's what and that's one of the processes in which people get jaded. I mean, there's a many, but that's just an example to where it's like, am I really making a difference? You mean, I mean the cop gets jaded? Sure. Yeah. Because I mean, am I really making a difference? Yeah, I wrote a report, but I go to this house every other three days. Right. You know what I mean? So you and get so, kind of desensitized to the sure problem. Sure, you do, because the truth is, is that you're helping. But you're not actively seeing any progress. Does that make sense? We're all based on we're based on cause and react or, or, or cause and effect. Right. So if I do something, then I should get this back, and that doesn't. I would tell you probably ninety percent of the time that doesn't happen. Right. You know, and so uh, you that's mean you what get I, that like warm fuzzy or that yeah like, or that like I, or I did something. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's for everybody because every department, everyone's different. But I'm saying as a whole, in my experience, that people who come out and say man i just want to help well you are helping but a lot of those people are disappointed because the reality of it is is that uh, you are helping but we are protected by certain things that you know you're just not going to go in and change something well i would say it's kind of like being i mean this is you know just thinking but it's kind of like being a surgeon right you're helping but you're not necessarily going to go deal with the family if the surgery doesn't go well you're not going to you know you should be better at it sure. right i think that's what we're going to get into as we talk like how can we in the system that we're in as police officers do a better job of having awareness knowing sure. you know all this kind of things but what you're describing is is that it's not as black and white as no it's not and and, and the thing is is that but it's easy to think that way because the because in all honesty if you're looking at it and and you know the ideal thing you were in the military the ideal aspect of the military is this way but when you get in it you go man it's not really that way because of all these checks and balances and the and the reality and i think that's pretty much everything but i think right now it, it's good for people to know that sort of that truth mm-hmm. that's what i would call my truth i don't know that that's for everybody else but that is part of the reality of being a police officer is that yes you are helping but it's not as intimate as you would think right. as help or i guess may- that's what i'm trying or to maybe say. could be could be yeah yeah good so that was the other reason is because you so you had military in your background people who served and then you just wanted to yeah i was like man i want to serve my country and and the truth is is that i honestly thought man i want to be i want to end up being the best of the best because when i went in the military i was trying to get a a a semi-contract of you know i wanted to go in to be a medic but i wanted to go in special operations because i knew that they would send you to pa school right 
you know, and so that was oh, the pipeline cool. that I wanted to go down. So I thought, well, I can't do that. And I was uh, in my late 20s anyway, and I thought, well, what could I do in a police department that was at the top? And I just thought, man, to me, at the top of the police department, in my opinion, was the SWAT team and anything re related to that and to making yourself better and being the best at the department at all. So that's what I wanted to do when I went in. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, too, because I think people don't realize the system. So like the military, you know, I was just a combat engineer. That's right. You know, E5. So our resources, like me, was a million people. But That's when you right. go to special forces, you've got a Delta team or you've got a special forces team, or you've got a, you know, whatever team, they're few, That's right. but they have way more resources, way more time for training, way more money. Right. And I think what we're seeing in these circumstances um, online and in the media is, is people not understanding that the regular beat cop person, they're, you know, they're one in a million. They are. But they have the least resources and yep. the least support and it's the true. least like... You know, it is true. They're I mean, not. Unfortunately, they're dealing. It, it should be reversed, right? It's like people dealing with people who are really unhealthy exactly and really right. violent and really lower socioeconomic status and really, you know, all those things. Like they should be getting the best care. Right. It's kind of like in the mental health world. We have. I mean, I worked in Medicaid for five years with the Methodist Children's Home and with some other organizations, and you know, I go into homes with low income, low education, low support. Right. They have the most trauma. Right. the most abuse, the most systemic history of, you know, lack of support and resources. And yet I'm, they're like, who can we put in here that has the least amount of training? Sure. The new people, sure. you know, and pay them the least to go in and, and deal with these people. And it's like, well, they should be getting the best psychologists. And, well, it's and, the same. I mean, and I'm not trying to speed up, but it's also, and just my interpretation of what's been going on this whole year was that it's the same way. We just had this conversation about some training this morning, and uh, uh, it's the same way right now with the police department. You're taking a, a, a patrol officer, right? Who knows how much time they have, right? With minimal amount of experience at all and or training, and you're wanting them to be a psychiatrist, a doctor, a law enforcement officer, uh, a father, a mother, all that stuff all in one, and it's just that's – and then you're going to pay them $20,000 a year. And the truth is, is that that's not really realistic. I mean, I mean, if you really want to be realistic about that, that's years of training and experience before you'd even get out on the street. It's just a weird deal. Absolutely. You, know? you made me think about that when you're talking about it, because it is true right now. You're expecting a police officer to get out of their car here, her, and they've got to know right away. He has autism. There's no way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way. Well, not right. in the not in the system that we have of no, training. There's no way. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Or you or you jump out and you're like, well, uh, I gotta do this right now. It just doesn't. work. It's not that way. Well, yeah. so let's talk about that. I mean, okay, part yeah. of it, right? You, we talked about why you became a cop, and then right. when you became a cop, how much training do you get? Okay, so the state requires, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's 504 hours, I think, 502 hours. Now, you got to understand that 502, there's a lot that's in that. That's You're basically taking a big college course and just like, whoosh, you know, 16 to 18 weeks. Right. So uh, there's a lot of stuff involved in that. So you get that training, right? Some of that is de-escalation. Some of that is a lot of it is law. Uh, then you also have procedures and policies that you have to go through within your department as well, all that. So... By the time you're done, it's about 504 hours. That's about it. Right, and to become a cop. To a become a cop. After that, though, 
every year the state and every state has it but theirs is different in the state of louisiana there are things that they require they require so many hours of defensive tax they require so many hours of firearms because which is how much uh firearms if i'm not mistaken it's eight hours it's eight uh yeah i think it's eight hours and then for defensive tactics it's four hours and a I think, year oh yeah a year so okay since you brought it up then <laughs> yeah. we know uh this is scientifically since i brought it up yeah <laughs> scientifically and this is not uh me talking this is science because i'm a grunt i know nothing about i'm not a doctor or anything yeah so i challenge anyone to go read this up it takes anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 hours for something to become a habit. And you're talking about law enforcement that gets, and it's more complicated than saying give them more hours. But they get four hours a year in defensive tactics. And defensive tactics means, so when you see videos of three cops trying to take a 175-pound African-American yeah. guy down and they can't, we're talking about that. Yeah. Like, why can't we're, And we're they? talking about anybody, not just. Sure, yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. this is what's in the media is like. Right it ends up ending in a, you know, you see something on television. It's a guy trying to get up. It's, it's them tackling them having to put four people on him, him getting up and then end up getting shot. And you have to break down. Sure. Why are all those problematic? And sure. one of the problems that you're saying is you get no training in how to actually take a person down. Yeah. And consistently. That's, yeah. Consistently. And that's one of those things that, and there's so, it's so complicated because it's not just the, well, we just got to mandate all this training. Well, it's, there's a there's management issues there. There's staffing issues there. There's time and money issues there. Because the truth is, is man, I'm not trying to jump to another thing. We can come back to it, but we it comes time. down to funding, dude. I mean, you have to have the money to pay for people to be trained right, and you have to have the Absolutely. money to be able to have the people that can train those people correctly. Think about it. So right now, there is a critical critical incident training going on right now. And it's very good training from San Antonio. And to train so many people, it's $32,000. Now, where's that money coming from? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, fortunately for this training, this was raised by an outside entity who believes in, in training and funding the police department and saying, hey, man, we need things to change, so we're going to be involved in that change, and we want to help you. So they raised that. Do you think that for that kind of training for a police department on a budget doesn't happen? It just, no, and how many people did that train? They're still going through it right now. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know there's been at least uh, anywhere from 18 to 25, and they're doing their second class now. Right, but I'm saying, you know, how many police departments? Oh, sure, but but that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, it's you're proving deeper, the point. Yeah, it's deeper than just saying something. And okay, so going back to the training part, unless you are, unless you get this training that you pay for yourself or you supplement that, it, it's not going to become habit. I mean, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't just go to defensive tactics. Yeah. It goes to uh, courtroom testimony, understanding law, lawful updates, all those things, man. It's still 5,000, 10,000 hours to understand and memorize and know and experience and all those things. And when you're talking about going back to defensive tactics part, because you brought up that situation, is that you can be that great train too, but in the moment that, there are so many things that happen so fast in the moment that the law itself, and this is what goes back to, and this is what n the majority of people that give their opinions or say don't understand. It goes back to the law. And when it comes to defensive tactics or use of force, it comes back to Graham versus Connor and the Supreme Court, not Greg Walker Court, not the city of Shreveport <laughs> Court. 
the Supreme Court said that when we look at use of force as a court, we do not look at it as hindsight 2020. We don't look at it and see how it looks. See, that's where everybody gets messed up. It looks this way. Court doesn't look at that. The court looks at the totality of everything involved. And you're not going to, us, like, if we're on the outside of something, we really don't know what's going on. We only have snippets of what we see, social media, via news, or whatever. And the truth is, is we give all these opinions out and say, well, and the truth, we don't know the whole deal because that's what usually causes problems is because the court says, no, we look at everything. If Clint Davis is a five-year officer and he gets into one of these confrontations you talk about and it goes bad, quote unquote, right? The court goes back and says, okay, Clint, he's five years. Does another five-year officer that has his training, his know-how, his skill set, and his experience, would they have acted the same way? And not only that, they go in the moment was he trained enough or knew enough to do, and could that have happened? That's why people get upset when the court comes back and they go, well, they're acquitted because it looked horrible, but it fell within the guidelines of Graham versus Connor. Right, as far as, as, far as um, prosecuting someone. Right, and that's, yeah. but this is all in the process of the training and all in the process of how these things work, and that's why it's more complicated than – it's really complicated. And so it really comes down to, without jumping ahead, it really comes down to us sitting down and being honest with dialogue yeah. and understand. Not that we have to agree with one another. Sure. Because we're not. And we're just not going to agree. You know, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. So I don't know what it feels like to sit in that chair and understand mental health and how to be patient with people. Just like you're not a police officer. You haven't been on the street. You don't understand what it means to make split second decisions, whether that's, uh, talking to someone a certain way, or it comes down, you know, to you using your firearm or your hand. You don't, you have no idea. You have no idea what it feels like to be on the street and understand how things work on the street for a very small percent of people who, who act a certain way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And that's not racially. That's not any, that's just the way things are. And but because that's why it's so complicated, but that's why we have to sit down and talk too. Right. You know, cause everybody has a perspective and we do need to understand that. Yeah. So going back to the, you know, so I, I like how you broke that down. So part of the problem people need to understand is when people get acquitted, it's based on the laws we have now, based on the system that we have now. And so people get off for things that whether they did or didn't do something wrong, based on the law, they're not going to get arrested because they can't prove murder one or they can't prove whatever and, it is. And also, now here's the other deal, too. I'm not being naive. I do. There are flaws. There, are, there needs to be change. There's no doubt there needs to be reform. Uh, that, but most of the time, because think about it. If you think about we're in America, so many people are here. You have over, a, over a million sworn police officers and you have a system that does need to be changed and you're going to have some mess ups. There's no doubt about that. And you know, they need to be corrected. However, in the majority day to day stuff, there's not, I mean, when it comes down to it in the day to day, you know, there are people that get arrested or they deal with the police because they made bad choices right and mm -hmm. it ends up a certain way and it just comes down to the court which is flawed in itself too <laughs> yeah, for sure Do you know what i mean so it's really really all complicated absolutely so, but the supreme court when we're talking about i'm talking about use of force because everything's up about now you know we're hearing all this stuff about use of force that you got to understand how the big court 
Now, looks at all of that, and they look at it objectively in the totality of all the circumstances. Do they make mistakes? Sure they do. Sure they do. Yeah. But in the in everything, do they? I don't know. I don't know that they always make mistakes. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I get that, and I hear you, and I think that's a great point, and people do need to understand that. Uh, another focus that I want us to dive into is um, – is, is staying back on the training. So sure, go. because if you, if the system's broken, right. Taking what we know now, we know the system's broken. Sure. Right. I, I think cops should probably get what, I mean, if you're on five shifts, one of those shifts should be defensive tactics and hand to hand and de-escalation techniques. You know, what would it be like if every week or at least every other week, you know, guys were getting training where they were like, you know, doing role plays and going, Hey, uh, we're going to take this guy, you know, have somebody else really play the part, you know, work it up and then go in and say, well, what if this happened? And what if the situation went down? What would you do? And then, you know, practice it. Cause like you said, it takes thousands and thousands of hours to be experts on something. And yes, it's split moment. Yes. It's a split moment reaction, but if you've trained for it a lot, the likelihood of you making really good decisions based on muscle memory, based on the, the practice that you've done is way higher. It is. Than it's if higher. you had four hours a year, it's higher, but it's also too. And this is where it gets complicated too. Again, I'm not a doctor, but it also comes down to the individual as well. I can train some people a certain way and they can get that time, but they've never had the experience to understand what your body goes through when you go through what you interpret like you and I may, our, we may interpret something different as far as uh, when we're talking about use of force is what we may consider deadly. You mm -hmm. may consider something deadly that I don't, and then vice versa. So my body responds a certain way. And if I'm not used to that. You mean how somebody's engaging you as a exactly, cop? Exactly. Yeah. Or you're engaging somebody because not everything is just that way. I mean. Well, I, right. You it, come into the military and the police force, not a blank slate. Right. You that's already exactly have right. your, your dad it. beat you or you're, you know, right. you got in fights in high school or you have trauma already or your that's parents right. are divorced or, you know. We don't come in as these no. like heroes. But who that's every what is, that's what you think though. I mean, that's what, if you're looking at culture at itself, you look at, oh, well, that's an honorable guy. You make a good police officer. Or, hey, that's, you don't really know that though. I mean, right. You don't because again, and I can take that person. And honestly, I could sit down and I can train him for six months on basic stuff to get down. But that doesn't mean that yes, their likelihood to go to that skill is better. But again, they could run. I mean, right. in all honesty, because they, again, it's when you're, <laughs> your body is wired a certain way and has been for thousands of years that it's still the same way in the 21st century. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the point you're trying to prove and to get people to hear, and obviously you're a cop, so you're making that point is no matter if you do all the training and all the things, it can still go badly. Yeah. And it's still, it's better statistically speaking, because look again, I'm a grunt. I'm not a, but if you go to the statistics, it is better if you if you have that much time to train or yeah, you, absolutely. If you, and that goes anything. It doesn't have to be me being a you know police officer. It can go back to, I like playing music. The less time I spend playing music, I just stay the same. But the more time I spend, you know, in my exercises, whether that be, you know, uh, listening to harmony and melody or, you know, uh, doing scales or learning music when I'm able to get in that, I go to what I know. Right. And so I'm more comfortable with that. It's no different in, yeah. in anything. You know. So, so part of the problem is, is there, there's not enough training. I mean, That's, I think that is part of the problem. Yeah. I because do, if you I take the average guy who's been in five years, that means he's gotten 20 hours of defensive tactics training 
Technically, yeah. You know, total. Yeah, because that's what's required for the state. Right, and like most things in a system, when you're doing all the things you guys are doing and tired and getting paid none and working long hours, I mean, you're not going to, on most people are not on the side going to go, yeah, I'll go do some jujitsu training, Mm -hmm. you know, four hours a week. I mean, it's hard to even get, I would even say, and this is just, uh, this is not official, it's just my opinion, is that it's hard for even get uh, police officers to, exercise as much as well i was going to go to that too like another system of of care that's a problem within policing is you know the guys who don't work out yeah that after you get i mean as far as i know not in all places but in a large majority of them there's not a like the military you have to keep a certain right weight you have to keep right. a certain measurement it's you not know. like that right so you got the cop who is you know now i know that there are private departments you know in other places they do that you know they may be smaller like arlington or Garland or something like that. Well, that's where the whole idea of cops and donuts come in, right? Right. From the it's true, and, and we do like love that. donuts and honey buns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I ate one this morning, so it is what it is. <laughs> For sure, I'm not scared. That's fine. I yeah. appreciate you being honest about it. Um, so, the, so my point to that is training. So one of the one of the systemic problems is is if we don't. My thing is if we don't change the system, we're never going to know what the answer is. So we can say, well, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. And I think that's what our whole culture is doing on both sides of the fence is, is saying, oh, well, here's the problem. We need to fix this. Instead of really having these conversations and kind of arguing and breaking down and not arguing in a negative way, just bouncing back and forth to this conversation and going, okay, that sounds good and that is good, but what's underneath that? And- well, let's, let's just be real, man. It's, more, it's so complicated because it's, it's politicians and people who need ratings and people who need, that are saying these things Right, oh, yeah. it's all Media, talk. For sure. It is talk straight out, because how many people are honestly investing time and money to make sure these things change? Not for an agenda, but to make sure that our culture does transform and we are renewed and we are doing the you, you we are doing what needs to be done and not this lip service, but we're actually doing both sides of the fence. Oh, for sure. And how many people are having these conversations exactly. in a real way that's not arguing so that the people that are out there who want to make a difference and want to put their dollars and their energy into the right things can do that? Because I think the average person who's sitting home who's not a cop and not a therapist and not in the system, they're just sitting there going, okay, we have no clue what's happening. Please tell us what we can do to change exactly. this system. Exactly. And that's my next point. My point is, is that the, a great example is that is this, this training that came up and the Simple Church donated, you know, this a large amount of money and a couple of days just because people, there are people, although, you know, you're bombarded all the time with this negativity that that's not necessarily true. That's, that may be an agenda. Whereas the normal person that's just sitting around, they're going, what can I do? Cause I really don't know what to do. And so this opportunity comes up and these people are like, yeah, I'm in that because I support it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got to be doing. That's what we got to be honest about. Yeah. And we talked about that last week, you know, just, you know, that, the truth is so hard to get to, but people want the truth because when you give them half truth, then they usually do nothing. Well, it also depends on what they're considering truth. Yeah. I mean, I know that's deep. We're not in philosophy class. No, that's good. What do you mean? Which I did okay in <laughs> college in philosophy. Well, it's like last week I brought up the statistics of, you know, last year eight, un- eight unarmed black people were shot. Um, eight, un- eight unarmed African-American, you know, people were shot in in America and 16 police, you know, white, white people were shot in America. Mm-hmm. And that's a staggering statistic because the media is not really portraying that to be the fact. Well, the other deal is too, is that we're they're good. Number one, they're going to say, well, not they, but there are people that would say, 
well, that statistic's wrong because you don't count this or that. Well, the truth is, is that sure there's errors, but I mean, there's n- what else are we going to go by? What right, and that, but that also doesn't mean racism doesn't exist no, or there's not problems. Not a that, that's totally true. I but, mean, yeah. But when when the media paints it in a totally different light, right. as if it's all the time, then we're scared of things that we necessarily shouldn't be scared of. Well, I can tell you this, just in my experience, and I think we I told you this before. I don't know any guy worth his salt that does what I do, that goes out and goes, yeah, I'm going to shoot an African-American today. It doesn't work that way at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's total opposite of that. It's like, man, I just want to come home. Or, hey, I don't, you know, I'm going to do my job and do what I got to do and do, and kind of tunes out everything else because I'm not going to make it if they don't. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's not looked at like, I'm sure there are people that may do that because we always there's always bad seeds, if you will. But man, they you know the majority of guys are out there to serve. That's what they that's what they signed up for. They said, "Hey, man, I want to stand in the gap for freedom because without it, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have." Man, the other needs to be changed, but I'm going to do my thing. Right. So I, I I agree with you. I don't think that the majority, but again, the people that we do see in these situations. We don't know what their heart intentions are. Sure. Right. Unless you sat with them and sure, knew you them. wouldn't know anything. But I, and I think some of them are racist, right? Sure. Because the police, like we said earlier, the police department, the military, pastors, therapists, we're all a subset of the of the population. Sure. So I mean, therapists, we lose our license, right? The number one reason we lose our license is for having sex with our clients. Sure. That's the number one reason why a professional that. does it. It's an intimate setting. People are really, really close. There's a lot of vulnerability. But there's also a lot of unhealthy therapists. Sure. There are a lot of people who haven't went to therapy themselves, who haven't recovered from their past issues, who right. haven't had insight into their own lives, who have really rough marriages and really bad situations right. and you know mental health issues themselves, and they get in a bad situation, they make a bad call. So to say, oh, well, all therapists are just trying to do good, it's kind of like saying all police officers are just oh, trying sure, to do yeah, that. That's yeah. not necessarily true in no. any field. In any field. There are bad, you know, there are people who have bad intentions and who, you know, in everything. And but if we filmed every therapy session and then we just played the ones where somebody's violating someone every single time on the media or what we think they're violating. Yeah, yeah. no one would go to therapy. And that's the and I'm with you on that. I think that's the I agree with you. Again, going back to what I said earlier, we're making assumptions on what we see and not what we really, really know. And that's not just police officers. We're just using because, you know, we're talking about policing here. Yeah. We really don't know everything. So it's easy to tag it. Well, that's racial. Well, you you have no idea. You right. really don't know. It may look wrong, but that see, that's the hard part to wrestle with. And that's where. People get sideways because they're, you know, we've, we talk about this kind of thing in our citizens Academy or when uh, you have dialogue with people is that some, most of these things you see definitely, no doubt, there's definitely times where they're wrong. No doubt. I'm not naive like that. However, again, it goes back to violence is not nice. No matter what you, paint it it's not black and white it's very gray it's very rough it's very hard to watch and it's very hard to go well that person's right or wrong mm-hmm. and that's the hard part to talk about yeah because immediately when people they make a judgment immediately it goes for me too i'm not out of that too if i'm pointing finger three you're pointing back 
It's easy to go, well, that's just this way. Well, no, you don't know that that's this way. There's no way. And that's what's so crazy about all this stuff, man. But it's easy for anyone who has an agenda for anything to take that and go, look, that's racial. Well, and I think we spend- Which it could be, but we don't know. Right, and I think we spend so much time focusing on if it is or it isn't, exactly. Instead of focusing on the things that we can change, that's right. And we can change systemic problems. I agree with that. The way that we change those specific those systemic problems is not by defunding the police, right? Right, and so just like I asked last week, you know, when people say defund the police, people mean a bunch of different things. A lot of different things. Like I think a lot, I think the large majority of people who are saying defund the police mean reallocate the funding of the police. Right. You know, like we need to be focused on, you know, tactics. We need to be focused on de-escalation. We need to be focused on these things. I think when people that, when that first came up, remember we're all, everything's emotional. Everything's going crazy and people are making comments because it could, it could improve their career. It can make them look better. They can get more likes. They can people can see more of them. And so, out of emotion too, you say defund the police. And I don't think that in the beginning, this is my interpretation, which can definitely be wrong. Was but that we just need change is what we need. We need reformation. Yeah. And that's really the truth. That's there's a better statement than absolutely. Cause you're not going to make reformation without funding. You're just not going to, if you pull money away from number one, who are you going to employ number two? So that's a whole nother situation. And then number two, how are you going to make anyone any better? You know, if you're not poor, I don't want to say pouring money, but you're not, uh, putting money where it needs to be allocated in order to identify problems in order to, I mean, heck dude, if we sent, or if any department sent their department to you to be evaluated psychologically, that's going to be a big penny. So to take that away, you're all you're doing is saying, Hey man, we're good with the way you are. Good, good luck. Peace out. Do the best you can. Well, I think there's a great point though, because it, it, it comes down to all of us, right? And this is, you know, as in my opinion, also the body of Christ. I know you're a believer, but the idea is like we're all responsible. So that's right. I'm more than willing in Shreveport, Louisiana, to go and train police officers and meet with the police and meet with Bozier and right. and and do it for a decent cost of my time and not make it this insane amount. Sure. And I'm not a person who doesn't have training and doesn't know what I'm talking about, right? Sure. So. I feel like that that's a good start and I'm in conversations with people, you know, to do that and continue to try to do that. But even when you offer, you know, sometimes I wonder what's the system in which who's in charge of getting that done? Because I'm begging to help in that situation and have a plan and have a, you know, have a write up and have a structure in which we could get it done and, you know, break it down and go, okay, first it starts with leadership. We have to train the leadership on why this is important. Right. What is trauma? Right. Who are the guys who are coming into the police force? Do we have a good assessment tool for for right. people who come in? Right. You know, is it possible to do better interviews, do better support in the academy, better re- restoration, better right. recovery for the stuff that happened way before they even became cops? That's exactly so they right. know what's going to get triggered in them when they're on the street. That's right. Because every single person. But that's where it's complicated in that you're trying to get involved. How many other people are trying to get involved? But the bureaucracy in the middle doesn't know where to allocate funds or doesn't have to get the funds or they just don't know. I mean, there's a, it's so complicated. Yeah. But again, it comes down to us being real with one another and just talking about all these things that are 
we're weirded out about. Yeah, because I want to know who's in charge of that. Like, who makes the decision? And I don't think the average person thinks. Like, someone has to make a decision and go, okay, we have $40,000 from Simple Church or $30,000, whatever it was. You know, we've got to get certain people in. These people have to get this training. And then the problem is once that's done, it's done. It's true. Right? There's no continuum of care. There's no, like, follow-up. There's not much that's that's a daily, weekly thing. Yes, that costs money, but it also costs time and conversation and understanding, hey, the police force, a police commissioner, they're not trained in trauma. Nope. They don't have a clue about mental health. They don't have a clue about systemic thinking. They shouldn't, you know, have to have a master's degree in it. Nope. But do you use the resources in your community to offset the cost and offset the mental intelligence of, hey, this is what this is. Right. Your cops are going to be better and healthier, and there's going to be less shootings. There are going to be less of these problems if we do these things. Right. And I'm still wondering, in all of our communities, not just here, where what's the gap? You know, who are the people who need to be, ch- you know, saying, hey, we're in a crisis? Well, I know this for I know this. I remember going to some training. It's been some years back. Uh, there was a sheriff's office we were training with out of Colorado that uh, had to, it was all SWAT stuff, but they were already dealing with mental health years ago. Like they already had checks and balances, things they went through to identify burnout, to identify problems, and also uh, to lift up those who were doing well. I mean, it was not just about identifying. Yeah. It's not just about identifying. Hey, this is a problem guy. No, it's also like, man, this this lady or this guy, man, they got it together. There's some things we can learn from that. You know what I mean? So they were doing that already. So I know there are some places that have been doing that. Mm-hmm. But we just have to, again, like you said, be real about, hey, man, I'm trying to help. And uh, this is, you know, what I'm offering and getting, you know, that buy-in. Because there, there's there's no administrator in, you know, law enforcement that I know of, you know, that I work around. that They understand the psyche or they understand how the body works or how trauma works or how anything because they're traumatized themselves. Yeah. Just my opinion. Well, they were typically you know? cops, right? I mean, yeah, it's just my opinion. That, I mean, you know, you can't be a police officer for more than in my opinion, if you're busy, this is straight my opinion. I don't know anything. I'm just going by, you know, what I've seen and not be somewhat, uh, torn because you're around so much that's, negative from within and then in culture which is fine because you want to stand in the gap for freedom and so you're going to deal with some nasty stuff and yeah but that they're traumatized yeah for sure i mean how many how we many don't live in the congo bro and we don't live in palestine we don't live in uh somalia we don't live in places in brazil we just don't and so it's not that that's natural but and not that that's okay but that our lives are way different in Western American culture. And to see those things that you have to see or deal with, you are going to be traumatized. Mm -hmm. Not that they're not, but it's a different way of life. Yeah. What you mean, what you mean is, is that if you live in Syria, you don't get to escape the, the, the torture and the fear and the anxiety. No. But as a cop, like you get to go home and be in your house and you know, there's some calmness and there's some peace, but then you have to insert yourself in the darkest places of society every day. Yeah. And there's no way to come back out of that and just separate. And that's not for, here's the other deal too. That's not for pity's sake. That's just the truth. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, when you go in the military and you know that, you know, this, you do get a break. You come home, you have leave, you do your thing. Not that you're not any better. I mean, it doesn't make you that that's what you're still going to have to talk to somebody and, and deal with those demons. But a cop doesn't do that at all. Go home, go to sleep, 
get up, go to work, go home, go to sleep, get up. Go. And it's the same thing. No different than an ER doctor or a surgeon like you brought that up. And so you, this becomes this reality that's really not reality, if that makes any sense. Right. Which it's is, easy to get lost in that. Which is all the more reason why there needs to be more training on the front end for people to know that's going to happen, right? So in in therapy, if I'm working with somebody and they're going to have to engage with a domestic violence partner that they're going to have to reconcile something with, or they're going to have to deal with something that's very traumatic that they've been through, that they've been enmeshed in, like, as you described, you know, I'm going to prepare them. We're going to talk about that. We're going to say here, this might happen. This scenario might happen. This scenario, let's role play it. Let's deal with it. So then when they go and do it, it's hard but they're not surprised by it. Sure. It's not coming out of left field. Right. They're not at home going, why am I having panic attacks and night sweats? And, That's you know, right. but because y'all don't talk about this stuff at no. all, you get That's in right. a shooting, you get in a scenario, and then you feel bad. You feel isolated. You feel broken. You feel like I'm the only one who is doing this and nobody else, everybody else just comes back to work and they're fine. Not knowing everybody's doing that. Everybody's having the same issues. Sure they are. Except nobody wants to talk about it because you'll lose your job. Or it's not manly. It's not well, yeah. It's not the tough. way to do tough way to Oh yeah, dude. I mean that's I mean and I think that's in a lot of things, but definitely in the profession that's the way it is. Yeah, because I mean it's a hard it's a hard sell because you have to go and do um you know, difficult jobs, take your emotions out of it. I mean, I talked to a guy last week, a police officer, he came up to me at a thing I was at and he said, Hey, you know, just seeing if you're taking new clients, like I'm, you know, dealing with some stuff. And he's like, I've been on the force for 18 months. And you know, he's like, I'm a mess. And he's like, but don't take know. long. Depends, like, not, well, he said on the first are, night yeah. he's, you know, went out and on, was on patrol and there was a two year old that got shot in the head Oh yeah, and he had to sit and watch him die. And people don't really, I'm saying that, you know, descriptively for people, because people don't really think about what that's like. No, they don't. That the average person who's not in the military and police force or fire department or any first responders, typically, they've never seen a person die. Never. Much and less a two-year-old. My first weekend, it was probably my second weekend, I saw a guy still alive after he got ran over a train, and he, was, he died right there. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen that in my life. Right. And I saw him, like, train ran over him, cut him in half, he's still alive. I mean, that's your second weekend, man. Right. I mean... I've never seen anything like that, you know. And so the system that I would like would be, number one, to know that you're going to see those type of things. Right. And then number two, when that happens for a police officer, not to have to initiate. For you, not as the guy who's two weeks in, you know, to have to go to your sergeant and go to your court, you know, your captain and go, hey, I need therapy. But for them, there to be a system in which they're like, hey, there was a shooting or there was a death or there was this thing. Right. We have this person right here who you need to come to, you need to go to before you come back in. Right. Right, and not for a check mark, not for a hey. He came and said hey, and yeah, sat there and looked the most at me. Pe- they have those things in place, but they need to be better. Does that make sense? I, it does. We, I mean, they I, just have to be better, and has to. To me, it again. This is not. This is just my totally like. Just what, just what I think, in that it has to be an outside entity, in my own opinion, to a degree. I think you got to have the checks and balances outside and inside, if that makes any sense. Because it's easy for someone on the inside to check the box and be like, well, I talked to them. Or they went to our peer group. Which, well, they're getting a paid salary by the same people is the yeah, problem, right? I mean, that, if yeah, you have a police officer psychologist, it's hard to, not that they're all bad. And I know there's no, a lot of people I'm, who love yeah, police, I agree you know, with you. Yeah. but like, it's hard to separate out. It's like the VA or Barksdale, get, you know, having military people there. No matter what, there's already a stigma. There's already an issue. There's already a buffer. And so, you know, to have somebody that has to go 
tell a psychologist on Barksdale Air Force Base who's in the military with you your problems. Now we're all held to this standard in which I have to report now because, you know, I'm in the same thing with you. I get rank. I get, you know, promoted. Like I get a paycheck from the same people you get a paycheck from. And it's really messy. So, yeah, I I think the system of care would be that there are out. And number one, there's not enough police psychologists and enough police therapists. If there are police therapists, I don't even know if that's a thing. No, I I think it's more you just got to be good at trauma. Right. Well, trauma. Yeah. yeah. Medication yeah. management. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that kind of deal. That yeah. doesn't actually really treat the problem. Again, no. that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother deal. Whoever put those things in place doesn't really understand trauma. Sure. So my point is, is that, but even if that was done really, really well, there aren't enough of them. It's money, yeah. right? Somebody's got to pay those salaries from a, from a government level. So using outside resources like us or anybody else in the community and saying, Hey, here's a center, here's a place you can go. It's separate from us. We will get a report, and there will be trust in some dialogue. But for the most part, it's your thing, and you do your thing. Right? If you have a leader who's saying, this is super important, and we expect you to do it, that's great. Right. That's a lot different than, hey, it's available. Sure. And and that's what, you know, it is available, but it needs to be changed. Right. Well, it needs to be pushed, right? It, need, yeah. it needs and to I'm, be that. I'm talking about, it, yeah, I agree with you. That's what I'm trying to say. I, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I like to go back to the trauma deal because, again, in my experience, my trauma is different than yours in that what I see or experience. Because I have seen guys that and or females that there are things that you may say were traumatic that doesn't hit them as hard as it would. But yet on the other side, there may be something, you know, you brought up like a stabbing or a shooting, you know, that's the most extreme. The majority of police officers on a daily basis, you're probably going to get into a fight. I mean, it's just, that's the way. And some people for that have never been in a fight in their life. I'm telling you, you see it. I mean, I'm telling you in the last, I don't know, uh, 15 years or so. I mean, people don't, I grew up in the eighties, but not that I'm, know anything but man i remember i didn't fight a bunch i mean i didn't grow up fighting in the street or anything but i remember one time we got you know dad was like you're gonna figure this out i'm not doing anything and we fought in the front yard is that right i don't know but what i'm saying is is that it may be traumatic for someone to get into a fist fight so their level of trauma is different than joe blow over here who goes man it don't bother me that way Mm -hmm. and that's why i think it needs to be available and open to say hey man i'm not judging you how are you, you know, yeah. after dealing with this? So I got, I said this, I don't remember what it was, but we were talking about trauma. I got in a, you know, I work with car wreck victims all the time with right. personal injury. And I got in a really bad car wreck, probably, I don't call it really bad, but on paper, it was a really yeah. bad car wreck. But I never had any issues, never any fear. I got right back in the driver's seat and have never thought about it again. But lots of people get in car wrecks in the same amount as I did or less and they have anxiety and they have triggers and they have true. so yeah each individual person has a already you know genetic emotional systemic wiring that predisposes them to react to things differently no matter how much training there is that's right so that's why it has to be an individual it does. basis and that's why it's so complicated it's more than just saying do this and do this it's just not do this and do this you know yeah and for the average person to kind of quarterback from the couch and say well I would have done this yeah and that, and the truth is is that no they wouldn't Right. In my experience, the majority of people who talk that way would do the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like there's a there's a Navy SEAL quote, and it says, um, uh, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, most people don't even know where the stuff is yeah. or and the fan is. And there's another quote from Mike Tyson. Yeah, he right. said, everyone has a plan until that first punch at you, yeah, until you right. get hit that first time with a jaw. Yep. So truth is, that is the truth, and reality is harsh, and life is tough. 
and these things have to be talked about to work out. I, I think the good thing is, is that we could all take this as negative, but I don't look at it all as negative. I look at it as a chance that I get to live through a time where, uh, yeah, it can be scary, but yeah, on the other side, man, we're seeing change. We're going to see change. It's going to come out. It's no different than going to the gym your first time and, you know, working out or doing CrossFit for your first time or seal fit or whatever your program is. It hurts. But after a few months, man, you're getting stronger and faster and you're better and you're thinking better. You're eating better. You're sleeping better. You feel better. And it's the same way in this. It's definitely a trying time. But on the backside of it, we can be better if we open up and do what needs to be done dialogue-wise. Yeah, and I think people need to realize that the majority of African-Americans and the majority of black pe- um, um, police officers, they the majority of them want this to change, right? I mean, oh, yeah, most of the cops that I talk, talk to, I mean, or see, or agree. They're like, yes, there's definitely a systemic problem. There's definitely racism. There's definitely needs to be reform. It's just how we do that. Um, is is what we have to talk about and figure out. And I think but you the, also. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. but but the talking heads, right? The Democrats, the Republicans, the yeah. congressmen, the senators, sure. you know, the media. They have such a a drastic um, agenda that they're the ones who have to write the sure. checks that pay for these guys to get training. And I do want to say this too. Uh, it's not just an African American and police thing. No, it's a police thing because. I think about it like this, and I'm sure there are some that will disagree, but uh, we in Western culture are very spoiled. And I don't mean, again, three fingers pointing back. I'm not judging anybody. Go spend some time somewhere else outside of this country and see the way life works somewhere else and then come back to this country and you'll go, this is the greatest place I've ever been. We don't like authority. So it doesn't matter necessarily Yes, it matters about race, but it doesn't matter necessarily about all of this we're talking about because it comes down to authority. We don't like authority in Western culture. We don't, we don't, I mean, we have music based on it. We have culture based on it. We have, we just don't, we don't like being told what to do. And so there is a certain point where it's just authority. It needs to be changed and reformed, but it's also I don't like being told. So it goes beyond race, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think the problem with that, I agree. Um, I don't like being told what to do either, but I think that that comes with um, consequences for certain people that it doesn't for other people. Sometimes. And, and that is right. Not all the time. Yeah, I sometimes. think that that's where the problem is, is trying to trying to make it all or nothing. Right. Trying to say, well, in every shooting, in every situation, it was a race issue or in every situation. No, it was just cops policing and you don't understand how hard it is. Sure. It's in the middle somewhere. It's, yeah. Because I know, you know, and you know this as a as a white male, I mean. The reality is, is that not all shootings happen because somebody's black, but but a lot of times when it comes to what I can get away with versus what an African American male can get away with, there is a stark difference. The reasons that is is because of history and racism, and you know it might not be in the moment the reason that it's going on, but the reality is is that just statistically, right, police officers deal with way more crime in the African American community than they do in the Caucasian community. It depends. Right. That depends, though. Well, it depends I on where you live. Well, here's the deal, too, though, man. And uh, this is what I'll rebuttal with that. Let me finish is, that, uh, yeah, that go, thought go, first. Yeah, go, go, go. The reason that is statistically is not because they're black. It's because of, of low socioeconomic status, education, support, right? All these systemic things that have been going on since slavery, since the dawn of time. Right, so you, right. So you can't, as a cop, say, well, it's the trauma that goes, well, every time I go into wherever, 
it's it's black people and they're committing crimes, so that makes me more jumpy. We've got to fix that whole problem. Well, the deal, even if the facts are that that's the case. Well, the other deal is too that uh, let's look at where you also have to look at demographics too. I mean, yeah. let's just think about it. The media take advantage of anybody who works in a predominantly African American place or a predominantly Hispanic place. If I was in Dallas. More than likely, especially starting off, more than likely, I'm going to be in a predominantly Hispanic place. Because you get, for statistics or numbers, the calls that come in are going to come from uh, low socioeconomic background. It just, it just happens. It's right. the way it is nationwide. That's what and I so you're, you're taking advantage of because you're a white guy in a Hispanic population or an African-American population. You do a traffic stop and it goes bad. Well, you'd probably do those every day. And because of where you're at, that's where you're at. Here's what I was going to say before. When I work narcotics, I work just as many cases against Caucasian females and males as I did African-Americans because dope knows no boundaries. And you know, that's what we call it. Dope. I mean, right. none at all, but you're not going to hear any of that. Same thing with sex, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, but trafficking stuff and you know, people still ask us that to, today they're going, does that happen? Heck yeah, it happens. It happens all the time. And it's not it's not predominantly one race. It is what but you're not gonna hear that. You're not gonna hear the truth about that. I worked out for a long time and I can tell you it's not African American. It's everyone. Yeah, I mean it's it's right. the way it is. Which goes back to But we there's no dialogue about that. We're not talking about that. We're not being open about that. We're not saying, hey, you know, these cases this, you know, happens, this case this happens, right? And there's definitely a uh there's just a breakdown all the way around period. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think the point is, is that, so when I was at, I did a conference last year, year before on human trafficking and I talked about pimps and I talked about traffickers and I talked about, you know, who, who, what makes a pimp, what makes a trafficker, how do they right. get there? What are the statistics, you know? And yes, always depending on where you're at, depends on the, the culture and who that is, the ethnicity of the person, but based on history and American history, the reason that African-Americans, Hispanics, minorities end up in higher crime populations is because of racism and systemic racism. That's a reality that we live in in 2020, that they did not start off in the same plane. It's like, uh, you know, heard it described as playing Monopoly, starting off in Monopoly and saying, okay, I'm going to take your money. You're not going to have any resources. You're not going to have any houses round and round and round and round and round. Right. For, and then I'm going to go, okay, well, now we're even. Now right. you have the same right as us. Now, why aren't you caught up? Right. Why are you having problems buying and selling and doing these things? It's like, well, you, you rigged the game. Right. The whole game was rigged right. in your favor. That's not intentional. That's not every time. But that's certainly where we find ourselves in 2020. And so my point is, is that I want to clarify that I think people who are racist or who deal with bigotry or issues like I did when I was a kid, it's because they never experienced anybody else in that culture. Right. So they see crime rates, they see television, they see media, they see shootings. Right. And even the shootings that we're seeing now, like like Hasim said last week, like he can't look at another per black male being shot. And I'm like, and we both, you know, said that that's not good for anybody. Playing that only makes racists go, yeah, look, another black guy doing a crime, and make it makes the black guy go, oh god, another black guy getting killed. Right. It's not really getting to the root of what no. the facts are, or the issues are, or how no. to change anything. And so when when I did this talk. I was talking about these traffickers and a guy stood up at the end and he came up and he said, Hey man, he's like, you know, why don't we talk? Why didn't you, why don't you talk about the, the people who are in charge of them? 
I feel like we're putting all the blame on the African-American or the low-income guy who's trafficking or pimping people out, which is totally terrible and shouldn't be happening. But, yes, there's a whole system of power on top of that that is people who are business owners and senators. Government. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, for sure. And so the problem with that is that doesn't get attention because the people who are in charge of the media are those people. They're not. And it's not going to (laughs) happen. Right. They own the companies in which we're getting our information. That's right. And so for the average person, they need to realize that, yes, there's racism. Yes, there's systemic issues. Yes, there's policing issues. But how you get your information is super important. And if you if you're sitting in the community and you and you don't know any police officers, and you haven't gone to coffee with any police officers, you haven't been in relationship with any police officers, it's going to be really hard to get the the facts. Right. Because the media, whether it's Fox News or CNN or whoever, is not going to give you no the reality of the They're situation. Not. I don't care who you listen to. You're not getting. And that's why you know dialogue is very important because again. Uh, it's racism is every and it's not just white black it's everything you you know uh if your family raised you uh to be a certain way and then the uh, you know my family raised me to be a certain way and we're not talking about that about well that's not necessarily true or hey yeah that's true or what we're all going to be racial if that makes any sense yeah absolutely you know what i mean i mean that's part of the problem is we're not we're not talking about family issues. We're not talking about, about what's really going on with us. You know what I mean? That's why I'm saying it. it comes down to us being honest with one another going, you know, we're broken. No doubt. There's no doubt. Absolutely. So uh, so when it comes to so better training, uh, one of the things that they have out there is, is TBRI, which is trauma-based relational interventions. Um, and so I think that would be great for the police force. But, again, one of the issues that we have is that there's not, there's not funding, right? There's not enough support. There's not enough money. Sure. So if, if people want things to change, they're going to have to talk to the people in their area, in their sphere of influence to sure. make change in their city. Sure. On a national level, that's only going to happen if all the people, you know, within their city go to their people and say, Hey, we want change. What can we do? What kind of money can we throw towards right. this? What kind of time can we throw towards this? So if you're, if you see all this and you're just distraught by it and you're a mental health provider, Connect with your police department. Connect yeah. with your fire department. Connect with somebody. And the truth is, that's how it changes because it starts from that little bitty community and then it just kind of grows out to that city, that city to that state, state to, you know, that's how it works. And I think that there's probably a, there is probably a lot of that going on. You're just not hearing it because it doesn't get the likes and the views and it doesn't get, you know, maybe a certain politician to where they want to get because the people that are in control of that, they're directing their own uh, well-being, you know, where they're going to be because they get more likes, more views. I think that some of that is happening and is moving that way, you know, more than what we see, because we, we I mean, we're going to have to change, man. I mean, we just have to, no yeah. doubt. I'd love to see, too, um, another thing I'd love to see from the police department uh, is, you know, community relations type. Again, all this is going to come with time and money. Like, no, sure, this yeah. is all idealistic talk, right? No, yeah, yeah, but definitely if, idealistic. But I think that if we don't strive for the ideal, if we don't put the ideal in place, we're never going to get to a place where we actually know what the problem is. Sure. Because we can say, oh, well, this is hard, or this is never going to happen. Oh, yeah. But but we don't know if something's racist, but we do know if something's not trained right. Right? It's true. We, we can prove that four hours a week or four hours a year is not going to help. No. Right. We can also well, 12 hours a year and, you know, you know and de-escalation is not. Right. No, I mean, it has to change to where there's a weekly, monthly training, weekly, monthly support. And we can figure that out. 
somebody can figure out how to get somebody in the office sure. to go, hey, I'll do it for free or I'll do it for low, low cost right. because I care about this so much. Right. So then the excuse of it costs too much is out the window. Right. Well, you got also, I mean, I mean, when you're talking about money, you just made me think about it. I mean, you know, there are departments that they're not even going to be able to buy cars for the next two years because they can't afford to. So how are, your, how are you going to go answer and assist the public effectively if you can't even get anywhere? Does that make sense? Yeah, so, that, you know. that brings up a great point, too. I think we missed it, and I'm going to go back to it. Um, we were talking about low-income neighborhoods and where cops are going. And, and, and so part of the problem is with the shootings and, and no training. And I mean, you see this as we've kind of painted the picture. We have cops who are young, cops who are coming in with their own trauma who haven't been healed, cops that aren't assessed well, police officers who have very little training throughout the year to continue to stay up on firearms, tactics, de-escalation techniques. They're tired, they're traumatized, they're overwhelmed. They're, an, they're our neighbor, they're our friend, they're our pastor. They're, you know, they're connected to us in the community. These aren't some separate right. people who live over here in these you know, secluded neighborhoods and then come into the street. Um, and they're walking into the situation completely broken. So what I would like to see um, is, like I guess Shreveport has just done, part of the problem is, is where y'all go and what you get involved in that you're not solely responsible. You said, you know, we can't be therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, no, but people can. And so I know Shreveport recently um, changed kind of the rules on where cops are going to be going and how they're going to be, you know, engaging. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about like calls for service? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And truthfully, that, man, I think that. Uh... Like, for example, no longer will cops be going out to some parent who calls in and said, hey, my kid, you know, won't listen. They're being defiant. Can you come right. to the house? Right. Is that factual? Yeah, that's that could be factual. Okay. Yeah. But they were doing that. Sure. Here, here's the deal. Think about it. And this is public information. You go back and look at it. And I don't mean this in any wrong way at all. But let's compare cities. Bossier City and Shreveport calls for service. And I'm not even going to throw it out there. I'll let whoever listens, and even you, go look up the calls for service for both cities and see the vast difference in how many people we have compared to the need mm -hmm. that makes any sense absolutely there are some things you're just not going to be able to do because you either don't have the manpower or there's no way to get to it in an efficient manner and unfortunately it's just the way it is yeah what i what i'm focused on is the fact that you shouldn't be going to those with all of those things on your plate right now yeah but you got to understand that uh, with everything on a plate now but for years and i'm talking about even beyond mind is that the idea has been that, and I hope I get this right. So I'm trying to get this right. So uh, anything that came in, in order for us to be a public servant, we were a customer service representative like you're in retail. Yeah. So we're just going to go to everything because we want you to be satisfied. Well, the truth is you can't do that. There's yes. no way you're going to do that. You can't, man. I can't make your – there was a time back in the day where this was a little bit different. But it's not like that anymore. I can't make your kid go to school. Well, I know the route you were going to go because I heard it the other day. But the reality is, is I've been in home when a cop has shown up on a call with a kid. I've been there sitting in the in the living room. Mom's there. There's not a dad present. You know, kids defiant, losing right. his mind. I've been working with him for four months trying to get this kid de-escalated. The parent is the problem. Right. Right. All, all the, the parent has no skills, has no de-escalation techniques. This kid's traumatized because he was, you know, in foster care. He sure. was abused and sure. now he's 10. The cop comes in and says to the parent, if you just tear him up, right, then they would sure. listen. Sure. 
that's insane, right? Because that's not really the problem. No, it's not the problem right? at all. But that's, you don't have any training in that as a police officer. You're annoyed that you're at this house right now trying to talk to this 10-year-old and somebody's at a shooting right now and you got to send your partner or you got to call somebody else in, right? Right. So that system, like you're saying, has been going on forever. That's right. So there's multiple layers of the problem. There's the community who expects police officers to do, do everything. anything. Yeah, yeah. it just ain't going to happen. Show up because there's a dog in my yard. That, that you know, happens. I mean, I literally, that happens. I literally called, this was probably four years ago, and now like I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but there was a, well, there was a dead, uh, not a dead, there was a huge possum in the middle of the street, and I called, I don't remember who, um, and then they sent a cop, and I was like, why are you here? And he got a shovel. I got one even better. Look, he than got that. a shovel and scooped this possum up in this box and took it somewhere. My point is, is like with the limited resources in Treeport, what was going on? I got one even better than that. Okay, it was go probably ahead. about 2005. Maybe anyway, uh, man, I've been dispatched to an alligator in a yard. <laughs> and the truth is, is that Very I had Louisiana to tell. Right well, I, did, I mean, I mean. I came back and was like, I'm not going to that. Well, what do you mean you're not? Well, number one, I don't know how to deal with an alligator. <laughs> number two, uh, that's not an emergency. That goes to someone else's expertise. And number three, I'm not about to get involved in that. And then a homeowner or whoever turns around and sues me because they they didn't think I did it right because of what they thought. See, it's so complex. And it's just people don't think about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's in between the shooting or the yeah, that's between and all that stuff. So it's like it. And believe me, that stuff happened. The dog in the yard, uh, the mailbox is bent. The I mean, there's all kind of stuff. I mean, it's just I could un, maybe understand if you're in a small, small, small town, but in the community that we're in, or even way bigger than ours, there's those things, you know. Right. But, so they're they're trying. What I'm trying to point to is that that the end result, right? A shooting or a violation or aggression or whatever shouldn't happen. Right. But how it got there, the systemic changes that need to happen to get there, this is part of the problem is that it's easy now to look at a cop and say, you should have this training. You should know better. You should not do right, this. Right, right, right. Excuse me. But the system in which we have, doesn't set that up. No, not because not only is all that in place, again, none of that justifies shootings. None of that justifies violence. None of that justifies aggression. Um, but it points to the fact that the problem isn't necessarily the cop. More times than not, the problem might be the system in which the cop finds himself in. Sure, and it's just also, like like the system. It isn't a black person is more violent or more no, criminal no. than somebody else. But it's also the responsibility of the citizen as well. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to point yeah, to. Yeah, is that we're what, yeah. all involved in. We're this. all involved. In, like, I mean, we really are, man. I mean, it really comes down to we're all. Know. We all enable. We all call for stupid things. We all, you know, don't know how to go, where to go. We don't want to do it ourselves. We don't want to deal with it. No, we I mean, want you to come out and deal with our wife who's being aggressive. Like, so that's another thing, right? That your report's not man. doing anymore is going out to calls about domestic violence. And I know, don't know about that. Well, those are the list they put out. Yeah, I don't know about that. That domestic would not be one of those. Domestic, okay. yeah, that would be suicide. Yeah, that they'll go. Well, that's our, that's part of everybody's like kind of cry right now is. No, that I don't think I think I have to look at that. I want to make a comment without looking at it and knowing what's up because I don't know that that's true. Cause okay. that's a that's a state law thing. That's a law law thing. Yeah, well, they put out a list. Of it a, could be a civil phone. thing. Now, civilly, yes, yeah, like maybe civil. It's probably civil, man. It's not violence wise. So if you you and I live together and civil dispute, yeah, that's it. Yeah, civil disputes are different because, man, you can't. I mean, the truth is, by law, again, remember we talked about in the beginning. You have a constitutional right and amendment rights. In order to live here and be here and do, there, we are bound by that. I can't 
make you who's lived in this house, even though you may not be on a, a deed, but you've been here for six months and we live together, but then I kick you out and, but you've lived here. I can't make you as a law enforcement officer based on your right that you can't go back in there. No, that's not true. You got to go through a process. I got to go through a process in order to get you out because that's the way the civil law is set up. Yeah. And then officers are not equipped for that because they don't know that ins and outs because again, there's just so much to know that that's just one of those things you just don't spend a lot of time on because you, you can't know that. Yeah, my point in bringing it up is that there's a lot of really good things I think that the police department in reform will do that people are saying on li online and in the media. It's not domestic violence, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, it's you not have that. To respond to I agree, that. you're right, it's civil. Um, what I, I remember it now is just thinking of that as civil sure, dispute sure. is like two people arguing. Yeah, it's not. it doesn't mean that there's... Yeah, yeah, legally that's not the same thing. Sure. So well, my point is, is like I've seen a bunch of pe people comment that, oh my gosh, Shreveport's going to go to hell in a handbasket now that cops aren't responding to these things. And part of the problem is like, well, we have to have a system where it's not that no one should respond, but that the appropriate people are responding. Exactly. That you're not, you shouldn't send a cop out to a teenager's house who won't listen. Plus the police officers uh, are pretty busy doing other things. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. if you want, I understand that's if what you're you saying. want I'm them just to stop breaking and up, violence yeah. and, and be better equipped and assessed, they need to be doing training. Well, the other thing is, too, man, if you want to stop break-ins and violence and all that, it comes back down to the family, too, without us getting deep up in that. Again, it takes us all working together. Police officers are not going to stop break-ins. They're not, just not. I mean, they're not. Now, well, they'll be in your area, and, again, that falls back on the DA's office, the city attorneys. That falls, It's so complex, man, that it's, it's so deep that yeah, talk about we've got to talk bit. about it. You know what I mean? I mean, we got to – we've got to open up and be honest about all that. So I lived in South Highlands for a while, right? And, sure. and on the, I mean, one of the worst things ever is social media. So, you know, the reality is, is like when you have, you didn't have social media for the last, you know, ever. Right. And now in the last 10 years you do. So now you have these Facebook groups that sure. are community groups that say, Oh, so-and-so broke in here. So, right, so right. you know, or right. there's all these things. And I think it's caused a panic in the community that thinks crime is way worse. Sure. Because you can see it. Sure. Because everybody's sharing it 24-7. Sure. sure. Whereas for many years, like, things happen, and you're like, oh, that's, yeah, that sucks. Whatever. Somebody went yeah, in. Yeah. But this kids, you know, came and popped the doors all down the street and sure. got in. But sure. now everybody knows about it. Sure. Would you agree with that? Uh, they would know. Based, it's known I mean, by the truth that, that someone puts out. Right. It doesn't mean it's actually right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody's putting out the positive so it's no, always the break-ins, yeah, always the shootings, always, always these things. That's right. Yeah. Because, because, I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, and I'd ask your opinion about this, do you think crime's going up or going down in Treeport? Man, I don't, I think it's relative because I'm old enough to remember what 1989 and 90, 91 was like, 92, and it's nothing like it was back then. But I can't say that. Well, and that's what a lot of people. Again, like you said, so much information is coming out now that you can't not be around anything and not know what's going on. Could it, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at a piece of paper or statistics. I haven't, I don't know all that. But on the street, I mean, you're, you, you know, people that are on the street, you're on the street or people feeling like it's more violent now. To I think people feel that way. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't be concrete and say, well, yeah, definitely. That's the way it is. Yeah. I, I can say that perception is reality no matter where you're at. And if you perceive something to be a certain way, you're going to believe that, whether it's the truth or not. Absolutely. So that is the key point of last week and this week that I want to get across is that people have to limit the intake of information That's they right. have 
and have more relationship information coming in. And I would even go further than that. You also have to limit what you've been taught your whole life by your own family or by your peers or anyone else. Because the truth is, is that when you get, I don't know what the age is, but when you get a certain point, you really need to start thinking for yourself and honestly looking at what you define as truth and not. And I'll give this as an example, because I, for me, it's personally the way it was. Religion. Back in the day, you're taught a certain way, right? And this may cause people to get fired up, but you're taught things from an interpretation from what people believe or what they think. But when you really get down to it, to what the possible fact is or the way things really, it totally separates you from what you were taught and what the truth is. And what I think is, is that you've got to do that in the way you were brought up because not everything you were taught going back to what we talked is the truth it's not the truth and you really have to wrestle with that that's a hard thing to do but i think the more you do that i think that's when we come together because i wasn't taught everything that was the best i think you know my parents did the best they thought but in reality wasn't you know is that my worldview now and i have to challenge that Mm -hmm. and not just say well that's just the gospel no it's not it's not there's so much more gray in there than you, you know what I mean? So it's the same way with our yeah, system. Yeah, whatever you're, if you're not a cop, right, and you think cops are a certain way, is that because you've heard that from your parents your whole time, a whole life, they had bad experiences, right? you know, they had these situations. Or it definitely it, experience mold perception. There's no doubt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, There's no doubt. Or is it, is it, but is it your personal belief? Has that been your experience? Is that today, you know, and, and how do we change that over time? You mean rephrase that again? What I mean I is, it's like correctly. no, I'm not asking you a question necessarily. I'm just saying what you're saying is, is that if you're a person, if you're a cop, number one, work on your own personal rece- sure. perception of the community and and not sure. just your experience as a police officer. Sure. And if you're a person who's not a cop, you have to realize like, well, maybe my my view and my fear and my anxiety is informed by things that may or not may not be true, but I need to figure that out for myself. Sure. And I will say this, I do. There are people, you know, when they find out you're a police officer, of course they ask about the ticket. But they'll always bring up some experience with a cop where they're like, well, he was rude. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And probably so. I mean, I mean, I can't say that's your interpretation of what's up, but were you on the other side, you know? Yeah, he may be a butthole. There's no doubt about that. But what did he do before he wrote you that ticket? Was he just in a fight? Did he just get rolled up for something he didn't do? Did his wife just leave him? Did he? I'm not telling you to feel sorry for that person, but there's so much more in all that that you know. For sure. Well, I think that is the point of what we're talking about today, and and you know probably in in wrapping up the next ten minutes and figuring out like you know kind of what I want people to take away is that it is very nuanced. Yeah, it is. But very. no matter what cops have been through, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the system is, no one's justifying bad shootings no, or violence no, or abuse. Not at all. Not at all. At the same time. People can't be so naive to think that in the system that we're in right now without change, that cops are going to be able to be therapeutic, patient, you know, always do the right thing, not yeah, be that's... not be uh, uh, aggressive. And, and that not, might not necessarily mean that they're racist. It might mean that they have all these things that we've talked about today right. going on. Right. On top of a system that is clearly has systemic racism and has a history of problems with the African-American community and, and just crime community in general, whatever culture that is. Right. In some cultures, it's 
the you know the poor white people are you know on meth and doing these things and you're in there you know you're in their yard every day and dealing with them sure. and they look just as bad as anybody else sure so the reality is is that there definitely is racism there definitely is systemic change but it the the communication from the media that it's all or nothing right. is what really the problem is it is and there's no way to get it i mean we just got to be open we got to be honest about things and yeah and as and have a, some empathy yeah I, I totally agree with that and there's a, there's also and that's again it comes down to funding training and learning but also i think the best example of a police officer is no different than a soldier in that they know themselves before they do anything and you can flip that switch on and off there is a time for aggression but there's also a time for empathy there is a time for compassion but there's also a time for stop talking there's always a time for something and i and police officers and citizens alike have to know that about themselves they just do now that's an ideal utopia type deal yeah but the truth is is that is the truth i mean that is honestly the way it is i hear talk about semantics and and i'm going to bring this up because it made i made myself think this they talk about guardian versus a warrior all this talk about being a warrior is let everyone astray that's me just being uh i'm just saying that for time right that's not necessarily what they're saying but a true warrior in his nature, if you really want to get back down to it, is not necessarily an aggressive person. He knows or she knows when they have to turn that on and off. I think we've slapped that term on somebody who has problems or has an issue. Truth is, man, the person that is disciplined in what they do, right? Jocko says it all the time. And the Bible said it before Jocko did, right? Discipline equals freedom. It's true. Paul said it. Because it does. It does equal freedom. Said it in a different way, but he me paraphrasing it's the same way is that you know that in yourself whether you want to call me a warrior or guardian or whatever that man there is a time for all of that and i know when to switch that on and off in order for me to get that switch i got to know me i got to get help i got to talk this stuff out and i got to be real with my neighbor about what's really going on and know that in my perfections i'm cool with that yeah because you don't want an empathetic or i don't want to say empathy you don't want an overly compassionate person to respond to the Walmart call with the guy with the AK-47 that's, a, that's just a not. You want the guy that's going or the female that's going. It's me, not them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But you also want the guy that shows up on a domestic call or the female that shows up on a domestic call that maybe to interject themselves and show some compassion to diffuse that whole deal. Mm -hmm. And that's how complex all that is. You can't just tag someone, well, we're training them to be warriors. No, you're. we need to train them to be a warrior in the aspect of I know myself, I know when to switch it on and off and not. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. I mean, I love that idea, Greg, because that that is what we're talking about. And that takes knowing the officer specifically. That's exactly Knowing right. their personalities, exactly sending right. them to the right calls, having the time and the energy and effort and team management to know how to do that, right? But instead, it's this kind of cookie-cutter process where you don't know what you're showing up to at any given time. It's true. And it doesn't matter what your personality is. You need to go deal with it. It's true. And, and there are many personalities that are better at other things than other. I mean, it's just that's the way we are as people. Right. I mean, we are. Yeah. You know, there are people way better at me at certain. There are people way better dealing with people with traffic accidents than me. I can't do those well. I don't do those well at all. Mm -hmm. But you put me in another situation, I may be able to do that, you know, at 100%. And I can teach you that. Yeah, it's the same thing with therapy. I mean, I, I don't want to do therapy with three-year-olds. Right? I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Sure. And uh, 
you know, like I have fun playing with them and put a lot of energy to it, but I don't want to come all day exactly. and do play therapy. That's right. right. Perry does it great and she'll do it all day long. And right. you know, that's her thing. The difference is, is that I don't have to go see a kid. Right? right. I know I'm trained. I know what I'm good at and where I go. And that's what I would like to see the system changes, you know, with funding, with training, with education, with a top down approach where the system, the, the leadership values and knows the importance and is weekly regurgitating that. And the team members are doing that. Right. Then they go, hey, you know, we got this. OK, hey, Greg, pull off of that. We're going to send Tom there. You go handle this. And yeah, you can do totally, that. totally. But yeah. again, that means having a lot of police officers. And I think in Tom, that can happen. Well, and I think that's the direction we're going. Yeah. But then you have Minneapolis who just totally defunds the police, right? Well, who the just other, well, literally the, gets rid again, of the police department. let's go back to what we said in the beginning. We're basing that off of what we see and read. We really don't know what's going on up there. No, absolutely. Well, I just read it this week and I, and I was because I was thinking about it before we were talking. And it was, and it was like... They didn't really actually defund the police and get rid of them. There's lots of police officers. Yeah. And they're still doing all that. And you're talking stuff. about a pocket of, okay, so let's talk about Portland. Everyone keeps talking about, you're talking about a small part of a state, very, very small. But we would like, they what is projected is that the whole thing's out of control and everybody, no, you're talking about, it's not that it's right or correct or incorrect. It's that the media, or and I say the media, or people who are putting that out want you to believe that it's everybody, but it's really this pocket. I try to, in all honesty, man, talking about this, when I hear all that stuff, I put it in its place. Because, because again, I don't know the entirety of it all. But what someone's agenda is, is want me to think that things are out of control. And I'm, I don't want to go down the wrong path, but and you can fine. direct me. Think about this. We're in an election year, right? We may be having problems domestically. Does everybody think for a second that other countries are not involved in all this stuff to make us implode and truth is man is that every government does it i mean think about it you know back in vietnam uh the cuban missile crisis all those things we were involved in and have been involved in you don't think that we stir up stuff everywhere else do you not oh, think for, sure. for a well, second they, we, that they've already proved it that you know and we know we i mean we know this or hopefully people know this that a large majority of comments and likes and hearts on social media are bots yeah that's what they're they not are. real people no and they and, and they're from Russia and China and yeah and, and or domestic terrorists. I mean, people domestic just terrorists. Want to stir that's up right. Stuff. They want to yeah. stir up stuff, and it doesn't have to be necessarily that entity. But my point is, is this: before you get on social media or your Twitter handle and start hammering somebody because you think you know better, why don't you step back and look and be like, man, truth is, I may need to put this phone down for a bit and really concentrate on my own health and not worry about all that crap right now, because that's what's wanted. What's wanted is for us to keep beating each other up. Because that's how we implode. Instead of just being honest and being going, man, I'm not a perfect person at all, and I'm not even close. Let me be real with you about what's happening. Yeah, I mean that's a great that's great advice, and especially as the church, I think especially as Christians, I agree with you. We that. have to 100% do that. Is have conversations, be in relationship, have these dialogues. They don't have to be perfect. No, you know, not everybody's going to agree with everything you say or I say. Some people are going to get triggered and and go, oh, well, did he mean this? And and take it a, sure. a million different directions. Sure. But the reality is, is like without relationship, without hard conversation, we don't get to the middle ground. Mm -mm, we don't get to, oh man, that. That was really good. Like both perspectives are right. We're, you know, you can cops can be good and, and African Americans can be good and we can all be good. And then there's still racism and problems and systems that need to change. Well, you said something too, though, and I, and this goes to the church, and that is that you said you expect to be right. Well, that's the problem. Everyone expects to be right, and there there's not a right sometimes. 
There, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just gray because there's it may we may not be able to solve that yet, or we may not be close to getting to that yet. And the truth, we're just two different people, and we're gonna let that lie. And that's what I think the church is there for. The church is supposed to be there to go. You can trust me. You know, you you can really trust me because I feel like I have found, or I know that I have found the way. And follow me through this mess so that I can show you hope. But we're not. What happens is the church ends up siding with, this is right, I, I vote for Donald Trump, or I vote for, and we don't need to be in all that. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is exactly what you said, is we got to be open and be like, look, man, we got to change this, and we got to love one another. And when I say love, I don't mean hug everybody all the time. I'm talking about we have to actually have the hard conversations that sometimes make us angry and then sometimes make us sad. That's love, too. I have children. Uh, you know, I discipline my children, right? And that's, I still love them. I wouldn't want anything to happen to them. So that fast of love, like Ecclesiastes talk about, there's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we have to be with one another in love. That's know? good, man. It's true. Yeah. So anybody out there listening, you know, what's, what's something that you'd want them to take away from this? If they, if they could hear something from you as a police officer and, and your people that you support, what, what's something that, um, that you'd like to say that maybe, you know, people aren't saying or that you'd love people to hear? Uh, I think the majority of police officers love what they do. I think they love the people that they serve in all honesty. And I think that, uh, they just want the chance to be heard the best they can. And also know that they support you as much as the majority do, as much as the, the lashing that has happened, that, uh, in spite of that, they still go to work and they still say, Hey man, I'll run to that gunfire. I'll run to the the fire, I'll run to the car accident, I'll run and do whatever, despite what you're saying. And that uh, they do this because there's this commitment inside of them that other people just can't do. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, yeah, that's great. Be man. open with them. I mean, honestly, have if you do know that, you know, if you're even having acquaintance with an officer, sit down and just be open about stuff, man. Just break it open. You know, and this is nothing that's going to be solved tomorrow. And I think that's the other thing that's wrong. You know, me communicating out to people that maybe listen to this is that, you know, we got to, you know, stay in the fight. We This is not going to happen tomorrow. This is one of those things that's, it's, again, it's like working out. It takes time for your body to change, just like it takes time for us to change. You know, it takes time for us to build up what we're talking about building up and don't give up, you know. Talk to these guys, man. Talk to these ladies. Be straight with them. You know, and let them allow them to have that back with you because they do. I know the people I work with love you. They do. They wouldn't do what they did if they did not have this deep commitment to our culture. Yeah. You got bad apples, but man, the majority, I'm telling you, they're not. They're not, you know. Good, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about this hard stuff. I know that in the climate that it is, you know, everybody's kind of scared to put something out there without getting canceled or without getting you sure. know, so much hate. Yeah, and, everybody's scared. And I think that's the point is those of us who are trying to make change, you know, having conversation in a loving way, patiently, you know, dialing in and really fine tuning what we're talking about and trying to get to some answers right. instead of just talking about symptoms. Sure. Right. And just instead of just talking about, well, how do we do this and you need to do this better? And it's like, well, why is that happening? And then what do we need to put in place? And I think we, you know, did a good job of painting a picture of what can change. And really, everybody realizing, don't just sit on your couch waiting for somebody else to change it. Find a way in your own life to, to change that. Right? Stop by the department, right, bring them right. some, you know, meals. Yeah, do, do something. something check, you know? check in with them. Say, hey, 
Hey, what's up? When your friends are talking about police in a bad way, when your friends are talking about black people in a bad way, when you are engaged in these conversations, stop it. Stop and say, hey, wait, it's more nuanced than that. It's more complicated than that. People are complex. That's right. People are not just so simple as I'm a cop and so I'm this way, or I'm a black person, or I'm Hispanic, or I'm Asian, I'm this way. That, you know, all of us are responsible. And when people are on social media, it doesn't matter what side you're on, and you're posting something that's really one-sided only. You're not helping the problem. Right. You're hurting the problem. And especially if you're a believer. I would say to all those out there that listen that they claim to be a believer, it is up to you to not fall into that trap. Is it easy? Nope. It's not easy at all. Nothing nothing like that is easy. But, man, the only way things are going to change is when we change ourselves and then we address these issues as we're changing ourselves and we can move forward. And I appreciate you be, letting me be on here and be honest, as honest as I can. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate you. I'm in. All right. You too, buddy. Have a good day today. Be Thanks, safe buddy. out there. I will. If y'all need something, let us know. And, uh, guys, just make sure you uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, Thanks and God bless. God bless.